0: Welcome to the church. Welcome to the church. To the church. Welcome to the church.
1: Welcome to the church.
0: Welcome to the church.
1: Welcome to the church. 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 Hi, I'm Cindy Linton and I want to welcome you to the church. My husband, Josh, and I are pastors of a growing congregation of people in normal Illinois, joining together in an effort to honor God love people and discover truth thank you for joining us today
0: we use words that at one point in time used to hold deeper meanings you know what i'm talking about we use words that when spoken in the past they got your attention you know what i'm talking about We use words today, I keep asking that because my wife's looking at me like, she has no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) We use words today, and I'm not talking just in church, but in all aspects of our life, we use words that used to have meaning to them. And now they are just buzzwords. And when we hear them, they catch our attention for a little bit, but they're becoming more common to the point that they are common. You know what I'm talking about? She's starting to get me, so I'm going to stop saying it. (laughs) And what I want to preach about today is worship. I want to preach about worship today because what I have a feeling is taking place in the church is worship is just becoming a buzzword. Worship with us. Worship the Lord. Worship is not just something we do. Worship is something we prepare to walk into. Worship is is worship there is depth in worship. And what I don't, there, there's a sign. I put a sign out in front of our door that says, Welcome, worship with us. Yes. Right? You hear it. I said it at the beginning. Our praise singers, they say it, worship with us. But can I tell you, we don't always get to the place of worship that God wants us to get to? Can I? present to you this morning that how great our service has been that we have yet to enter worship. That's why I stopped the service. Because I don't want us to get comfortable with praise. And I don't want us to get comfortable thinking that praise is worship. I may just get rid of this. Go ahead and just get rid of this. I'm just going to use my voice today. I have sensitive ears. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and I and Trevor already told me I got to get a headset because I just like to use my hands. I get rambunctious with whatever these things are, and sometimes I just want to put them back here, but that doesn't happen. But what I don't what I don't want to do as a pastor is I don't want to be I don't want to see something and say that it's something else just to proclaim a title that's used in the Scripture. Worship is called for in the Bible. Yes. Worship is mandated by the church. Matter of fact, the Bible says that Jesus, says it's time for the true worshipers
1: to arise.
0: I don't want to get confused with praise. Praise is important. Praise is necessary. But I don't ever want us to think that praise is worship because it's something totally different. Praise is thanksgiving. Praise is lifting up of God who has done something. Worship is saying no matter what's going on, no matter the darkest of dark, I will lift up your name, God. Worship is a posture that we take. Worship is a bow. Worship is so much more. I don't want to have a jerk that just sounds like loud-clanging cymbals. And then we leave. And we pat ourselves on the back. Because we got a goosebump that went up to here. And we thought that was the Lord. And we thought that was worship. Because it wasn't worship. Battles were not won. Victories were not proclaimed. Mm -hmm. What happened was. We got a feel good moment in the Lord. And we took that. As something that was much deeper. Than what it was. Because praise should be continually. On our heart. Worship is something that we have to get ready for. Worship is something that we have to make sure. Everything in here. Is on the right side. Because praise can come at any given time. But worship. We have to establish, and so I want to preach for just a little while from the book of Joshua, chapter six, verses one through five. If you'd stand with me this morning, the Bible says this in Joshua six one and five in the New Living Translation. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, "I has I have given you Jericho, its kings." And it's strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priest blowing the horn. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all of your people shout as loud as they can when they walk around the tent. Then... The walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. You've all heard the story before, right? Does anybody ever you watch Veggie Tales? Yes. You ever heard of Veggie Tales? Yes. So Veggie Tales, I I, I started in the church. This is where all of my preaching material comes from. <laughs> it comes from Veggie Tales. Veggie Tales does a, <laughs> here goes all the credibility. Veggie Tales <laughs> does a great job displaying the walls of Jericho because it's little peas. It's little peas on a wall shooting out whatever little peas shoot out. It is wonderful! (laughs) But if you have not heard of the story of Jericho, it doesn't relate to that. They were were tall walls. But what I'm saying, what what I'm trying trying to get, get across is we've all heard this story in one form or fashion. We've all heard of tall walls. We've all heard that they marched around seven times. We've all heard that the priest blasted the trumpet, and then we all heard that they shouted with a loud voice, and the walls fell down. Haven't we? We've all heard this. We've all heard this message. We've heard the message. We've heard it recently now to the understanding that the walls didn't fall this way or that way. The walls actually went that way, and they were able to walk right over the wall. There is scientific evidence. They have dug into the ground the historical accuracy to found evidence of a walled city that is not just fallen this way, but it has gone this way, and they've dug down to find depths of this wall. This this is biblically accurate in today's world. You can find history linking us to this. This is true and accurate, but what happens is in some form or fashion, if I were to proclaim to you today, as Joshua did to the children of Israel, that all we need to do is march around these chairs seven times, and then Tiffany will come up with a loud trumpet voice, and she will she will shout in this, every wall in our life would fall down. You know what you're going to do when you look when I say that? You're going to look at me like, well, I got somewhere else to be. Isn't it true? Yeah. Isn't it exactly true, right? Yeah. Right? And, he, and you know what that signifies to me? It signifies to me that we have no problem with praise, but we've got a big problem with worship. We've got a big problem with the understanding of what worship really does. We've got a big problem with an understanding that worship actually claims victory because there was no there was nothing given by God in in this text other than I will give you Jericho that assured them when they walked around the walled city and they walked and they walked and they walked and then they blew the trumpets and they shouted that anything was going to take place. It was faith in them. Faith to understand that I'm here to worship my God whether these walls fall down or not. If these walls fall down, that's just a bonus because he already told me they were. So I want to preach this morning about worship and I want you to pray with me this morning. I want you to pray for an open heart this morning. I want you to cast everything that you understand about worship and I want you to set it off to the side. I want you to take everything that's holding you and hindering from worship and I want you to put it right in front of your face so you can see it. I want you to acknowledge what's hindering us from true worship this morning in our prayer. Can we do that today? Lord, I pray right now, God, that you would reveal to us an understanding of what true worship is. God, remove me out of the way. God, remove me out of the way of, of your word today. God, I, I pray that, that your word would sow, sow seeds of, of life into our worship. God, I, I pray that we would move from a place of praise, God, to a deep presence of worship. God, I pray that reverence would move upon us in the house today, God. Not just a shout to be boastful, God, but a shout of reverence, God, to let this world know that we know who you are and that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God, I pray right now, Lord, that you would just give us that wisdom and understanding today and let us proclaim it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, you may be seated this morning. In our text, we find Israel ready to march around Jericho. Don't get comfortable. We're going to march today. I, right? Right? She let it out. Thank you for being honest. She said, I didn't come here to march. Listen, listen, we got to lay down walls sometimes. got to lay down walls. We're not marching today unless the Lord really unctioned you. That, That was just getting that out there. Because sometimes sometimes I wonder how far we're going to go. How far will we go before flesh gets in the way? I'm with you, sister. I don't want to march. But I wonder if God unctioned me to march. Would I? There's this many of you. And if Tori just got up and started marching, and she was started marching like this. <laughs> <laughs> what would you think? What would you think? She would go on Cuckoo! Right? <laughs> right? And in that moment, in that moment, we have no idea. We have no idea what walls she's trying to knock down. We have no idea... What God's trying to do. That's right. right. then and there. That's right. We have no idea the situations that we, she's facing, but we have no idea the promise that she's been given. You understand? I need you to hear me. Because it's not about the walls. It's about the promise. Right. But for them to be able to reach the promise, the walls had to come down. Right. And for the walls to come down, there had to be some worship yes. that took place in Israel. It wasn't a praise. It was a worship. You know how I know? Because the the shout came from the depths. There are some of us in here that are introverts. I'm not asking you to shout the way that I speak. I'm not asking you to shout the way that I can. I'm not asking you to shout with the top of your voice. What I'm asking is where are we coming from the depths of our worship? Is our worship here? Where it's superficial and just on the surface. And then when I leave, I go back to what I was doing before. Or does it come from my core? Does it come from my innermost being that says, I don't care who sees me. I'm going to march until these walls fall down. I don't care who's watching. I'm going to march until this stuff is proclaimed. I'm going to gain the victory one way or another. Because that's. What worship is and in our text we find Israel marching around Jericho we find them ready to shout and worship God and watch these walls fall down they had been given the Bible says the city according to scriptures now it was time to claim the victory there are promises. Sitting in these seats yes. that have been given yes. from whether when you were little or right. whether it was just yesterday. Yes. But God has given promises from the front of the room to the back of the room. Right. There are people that not, are not here right now, but they have been given promises. Right. And what happens is we're too afraid. We're too afraid to worship to claim the promise. Right. We think it's a battle, we think we've got to fight it. Yes. And what God is saying is, I didn't bring you here to fight a battle. I brought you here to cheer me on as I win a battle. Yes, that's right. I brought here. I brought you here to proclaim my victory before the battle even takes place. We they had been given the victory. The only problem it was not what you and I would claim to be a great or even good military strategy. Amen. Right. It's true. They were to march around the city for six days. Then on the seventh, they were to march seven times with the priest blowing the horn. Then the last horn, Israel would give a mighty, mighty shout. It's how I know, it's how I know it came from the depths. Mighty, mighty, I can promise you that Israel was not comfortable marching around Jericho for seven days. I can promise you that they weren't. I can promise you that there was nothing spectacular about marching around a walled city. There was nothing spectacular about what they were doing. It was not a good plan, but mighty was what they were going to be. Mighty was going to come from their depths. Mighty. Mighty was going to be the way that they proclaimed it by the time it was all said and done. Mighty, no matter how loud or boisterous, mighty is a decision in our mind that this is going to be what I am going to do and this is how I am going to proceed. Mighty is the way worship comes out. Do you know mighty can look like tears? Do you know mighty can look lowly? Do you know mighty can be humble? Do you know how I know mighty can be all those things? Because Jesus was all those things. Jesus was meek, but He was mighty. Jesus was humble. He was lowly, but He was mighty. And here we think that our worship just has to be loud sounding gongs in order for us to be real. It doesn't. It just has to be mighty. Because for it to be worship, it proclaims the presence of a king. You ever been mighty? Anybody ever been mighty? The only one responded to me today is my wife, so I'll just keep looking over at her. (laughs) Mighty. Mighty doesn't look like this. Mighty looks like this. Shoulders back, heads up. Men, we're mighty men, right? Right, men? We need to be mighty men. Come on, I need some mighty men. Gideon got him some mighty men. Mighty men of valor. Mighty men that weren't afraid to square up and shoulder up. Men, we we need stronger men in our church that are mighty men. We don't need weak weak men. We don't need frail men. We need mighty men. Women, we need mighty women. We need strong people in the Lord. And the way that we become mighty is through our worship. It's mighty through our battles. It's mighty through this pulling down of strongholds. It's mighty through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's travailing. We think you only travail in prayer. No, you travail in worship. Because sometimes when you want to worship, you can't walk right into it. Because there's something standing in your way. And you got to get mighty and square up and say, it might take me an hour. But I'm going to worship and I'm going to worship until this wall falls down. Mighty is having a set in our mind that I'm not moving until what's in front of me moves. Because the promise on the other side is way more important to me. Mighty is an understanding that God can take us through no matter what. It's not really, marching around town is not really how General MacArthur would have drew up the plans in the World War, would it have? He wouldn't have drew up that plan. He wouldn't have sent the soldiers into battle against Germany to walk around them and to think that the walls would have been defeated. That's why worship sometimes doesn't make sense to us. Right, it's true. It's why we can't understand worship sometimes. We get a hold of praise. We get a hold of praise. You you can go to any church. You can go to any synagogue. You can go to any denomination, uh, Islam. You can go anywhere that, that there is a service. And there is praise that takes place. But what we have to be careful of, church, is just not stopping at praise, we have got to enter into worship. Because worship is going to bring revival that God promises. Praise is just going to make us sound really good in our praise band. Praise is going to make us be a really good choir up into heaven. But when I hear about the angelic host, I don't hear about it being a praise choir. I hear about it being a worship choir. I hear about them worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I don't just hear about them lifting up good voices in an alto or a soprano or a tenor. I hear about them worshiping God. I hear about them bowing low before the throne. Amen. Anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? There is an atmosphere of worship that, as a church, God is wanting to usher us into. There is an atmosphere of worship because there are mighty towers that are going to come before us. And if there is not worship in our hearts, we are going to be stuck and we are going to wonder. Worship is needed and it needs to be important in our lives. I said this before, but worship is not logical. Praise is logical. Are there any logical thinkers in the room? I am. I'm a pretty logical thinker. And sometimes when I think about worship... I think well that doesn't make sense. Praise makes much more sense. So let's just stop there. But we cannot stop there. Praise is the lifting of our voice in thanksgiving. We did that this we did that this morning. Praise is the lifting up of thanks and praise gets God's attention, but it doesn't always usher his presence into the promise. What it does is it here. He hears it in the atmosphere. He hears a voice that he hasn't heard in a long time giving thanks. And he says, oh, I recognize that I'm drawn. I'm drawn to that voice. I needed to hear that praise of Thanksgiving. And we approach the promise only to stop with the thanks only to stop with an appreciation, you know that in the scriptures that the the demons even know the word of God, right? Yes. They even know the ability to give thanks, if you would allow me. They even know the ability of what He has done for us on Calvary. They know that. That's why they're not afraid of us giving praise. Right. That's right. They're not. I love WCIC. They're not afraid of WCIC. Play it in your car all day long. You should. I do. You should. And it would lift up your spirit, but it won't walk you to the promise. It won't let you claim the victory because that's worship, worship, praise. Actually, Isaiah describes praise in Isaiah 61 and three as a garment that we put on. Praise can be like my coat and it's sitting right there. I'm not knocking praise. We we need praise. Come on. I'm just trying to get us to get an understanding of what worship is this morning. Praise can be my garment. I can walk in beaten and bloody and bruised and I can still walk over and put on my coat. That's right. Right. I can put on praise at any given moment in my life. I have the ability. It's free will. Anybody got it? We're slowly losing it, but anybody still got it? Yeah. You can have the ability to put on praise at any given moment because it's a garment. But worship takes preparation. Worship takes an understanding of where God's trying to get. You don't just put on. You have to get ready for it. I got ready. You should be thankful I got ready for church this morning. (laughs) You should be thankful that I didn't just put a coat on and just walked into the room. We should be all thankful that we all prepared to come into the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Did anybody not prepare to come in today? No, we all prepared. You put an outfit together. You put a plan together. You got in the car at a certain time. You drove here because we started as a, at a certain time. You made it up in your mind in preparation to get to a place. Only once we get there, then we decide, I don't need to prepare any longer. Right? Now we just think, well, we already put it all on. We don't have anything else to do, but we do. There's preparation that God wants us to work into. He wants us to work into the fact that we need to worship even when we don't see it. We need to worship even when we can't understand what's going on. We need to worship at all times. You can't just put that on. It takes steps to get to the point. That even when I don't see him working and all I see is a big giant or a big wall standing in front of me. Even in those times, there's still a promise waiting for me on the other side. It takes preparation to get to that point. We can't just walk off the street and say, Jesus, nice to meet you today. I'm ready to worship you. No, because as soon as we do, there's going to be a wall. And we're going to, go, we're going to be like Peter when he walked down on the water. We're going to be like, where'd you go, Lord? And when we can't see him, we're going to start to sink. Because that's as far as praise will get you. Worship will get us to where we get past. Worship will get us to where it's the point where we will say, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Worship will push us through. We can't just put on worship. It takes steps to get to the point. But we also can't claim victory without the worship. That's what I need us to hear. We're walking around fighting battles and all we're doing is going, yay. And we're never proclaiming victory in the right, battle. Right. Worship claims victory in the battle. Worship isn't just standing outside and going, come on, Lord, you can do it. Right. Worship is going, You did it, Lord, and now I'm going to walk through it. Yes, that's right. Worship is going, you got it, God, and now I'm gonna now I'm gonna walk in your promise. Yes, that's that's right. what worship is. Worship is going time and time and time again. The victory is not contingent on our worship. I need you to hear me on that this morning. The victory is not contingent on our worship. That victory is already there. Have you read this book? There are promises and victories all over this book that God is just waiting for us to walk into. So the victory has nothing to do with our worship, but the acceptance of the victory is contingent for us on our worship. We, can truly, we cannot truly walk in the victories that He has until we truly walk in worship. Right. Right. It's why it's so important. I, I, I'm getting some looks like I've never heard this before. That's okay, me neither. I'm preaching it to myself for the first time. Mm-hmm. There's an, there needs to be an understanding that we can know about victory, but until we know about worship, we can never walk in the fullness of that victory. Yeah. We can walk around the walled city all, the day, all day long, yeah. but it's still... As soon as we take eyes off of him, it's still going to be a walled city. But when we understand through worship and that worship is the next step to praise, that we can truly walk in that victory because our acceptance of the victory is contingent on our worship. Let me tell you this. If you didn't think you were going to be victorious, would you be? No, you'd be defeated, wouldn't you? You'd be defeated. What worship signifies is I've already won. Right. Right. You know why I've already won? Because he's already won. Yes. So, so why do we walk around wondering, wondering about victory, wondering if God can? You know why? Why? Because we haven't fully developed worship. And when we do, there will be no wondering. There will be times. Please don't misunderstand me. This flesh is still here. There will be times that we will go. Can you, God? And then there will be times that we will begin to praise. Because again, it's a garment that we put on, that we choose to put on. And we lift up holy hands and go, yes, you can, God. And as we go, yes, you can, God, that worship will begin to come in our mind. That worship will begin to replay in our mind. And we will go, yes, you did it before, and you will do it again. Yes, you walked me over that wall before, and you are going to walk me over that wall again. Worship begins to lift, and it begins to build, and it begins to move in our lives. When Israel first came, to the promised land, they thanked God for letting them get there. Did they not? Yeah. They were so thankful. But you know what they couldn't do? They couldn't worship Him. And they couldn't claim the land. You remember the story? Moses sent in 12 spies. How many spies came back? All 12. Two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can do this. But the other 10 said, we can't. We're as of grasshopper's. In their eyes. They were thankful. They were there on the edge of the promise. They had went in. They had partaken of grapes that were so big. They had partaken of all this and brought it back. There was physical evidence of how good God's promise was. It was all around them. Yet they couldn't perceive in their own eyes the ability to get past the situation that was before them. They couldn't move into a state of worship. They were so thankful to be there. I don't ever want to just be thankful to be in God's presence. I want to move in the victories and the promise that God has. Is there anybody with me this morning? Come on, can we give him a hand clap of praise this morning? But we know the story. Israel got just to the line. And then for the next 40 Years, they wandered, trying to get back to that same place. They would get to praise. They would get to praise. They would get to praise, but they would never get to worship. And they would never get, that generation would never get to walk into the promised land. The question this morning is what is holding us back from claiming our victory? What is holding us back from claiming our victory? It's already been promised. I don't need to preach a whole sermon about the promises of God because your victory has already been promised. What is it this morning that's holding you back? Is it marching? Is it an altar bench? Is it stepping out in significance in front of people that you only know little about? What is it? Because whatever it is, it's a big deal, it's real. Is significant. It's significant. It's, it's true. It's there. I'm not acknowledging that it's not there. But what I'm saying is why? Why do we let it keep us from our promise? Is it because we don't believe in the promise? Or is it because we think that it can't happen for us? Because I'm here to tell you. As somebody with the experience in my life. That it can and that it will. That God is for you. And when God is for you. There is none that can be against you. But what it takes is. Is for somebody to say. This isn't holding me up anymore. What it takes. Is for somebody to get on the edge of that promise. And then it takes a step. And as we take that step, you don't have to take 20. God's immediately there at that step. And we enter into a place of worship. We enter into a place that we have prepared to go because we have faced our enemy. And we said, God is greater than you. God is my hand than you. I know that Karen is not here today, but time and time again, we have prayed with her for victory and healing in her back. And time and time again, and I know she will again, time and time again, she has faced that victory and she said, God, I don't know how much more of this I can take, but yet here she is. She's pushing. She's pressing. There's a church that's praying God is able to do mighty things. So what is holding us back from claiming our victory today? What is stopping us from being a true worshiper that God has called us to be? Is it an understanding or is it the preparation? I'm hoping to speak to the truth of both this morning. I'm going to try not to be long, but I need to lay a foundation here this morning of preparation. Because if if it's the understanding, there's not really much to understand other than there's a difference in praise and worship. Worship is bowing, and I'll get into a little bit of that. Israel didn't think God was big enough. It's why they perceived themselves as grasshoppers. The problems were too big for God to overcome, they thought. You ever thought that? God, this problem is just too big for you. God, I don't know if you can take this problem, God. It's probably too big, God. And, and honestly, God, I haven't heard from you for a long time. So I'm beginning to wonder, God, at all, if you really hear me or if you hear my cries. And I'm just here to tell you, he hasn't left you. He hasn't forgot about you. He's still pouring love out from you. What happens is we've gotten way, and our problems seem to be bigger than our God. There was no bow or submission from Israel in that time, only flight. Only flight, the problem was too big, so they ran from it. So for 40 years they wandered. How many times do we praise to the edge? Praise to the edge of worship just to get fearful and run the other way. How many times do we praise right up to the victory only to be defeated out of worship and claiming the victory God has given? Do you realize that praise As important as it is, it's not worship, but worship is literally just a step in front of praise. And when we get that far, I've seen people time and time again, they praise, they praise, they praise, but they never take that step into worship. What is that step, Pastor? What is that step? That step is reverence. That step is reverence. It's not a reverence into silence. It's a reverence, and I don't care who hears me. I don't care what comes out of my mouth. It all goes to Him. It's a reverence and an understanding that this world is just is just fragile. This world is just faulty. This world is just a vapor, yeah, sure and I am. Right. And at the end of the day, it's God that is eternal. That's right. Praise says, oh, thank you, almighty God, for the cross. Yes. Worship says, oh, God, you're more than the cross because you're my eternity. Yes, that's right. You're more than this, this vessel, this clay earthen vessel, God. Worship is you are my eternity, God, and no matter where you go or where you take me, God, I'm going to follow you into that eternity because that's, that's how important you are to me. But time and time again, situations in our life, like Israel they seem so insurmountable they keep us worshiping from a God who has already promised the victory hear me he's already promised it yes, yes. it's us that's holding us back from it right he's already promised I could give a mic to every pe- a lot of people in this room and there could be testimonies of where God has brought wow. them from yeah. and brought them through yeah. promises that they never would they would be honest to tell you I never thought it I never thought he could get me where he's got me. But he has time and time and time again. We are at times a step from our promise. We are a shout from our victory. But our worship, for whatever reason, is stifled. Before Joshua ever brought Israel to Jericho, they had to cross over the Jordan. You know the story. They had already crossed over the Red Sea. Moses had already led them Cross the Red Sea. And now here Joshua. Moses who, who went up to the mountaintop. And he descended glowing. The, the, the shine of the Lord glowing. That they had to put a veil. Brings him the law. Now he is dead. And it's Joshua who is left in charge. Joshua who is the second command. Joshua who knew nothing but what Moses had taught them. Comes to the Red Sea. Where, or the Jericho where God had brought them from. Enter into their promised land. And the Lord says Joshua. When the priest's feet touch the water, I'm going to dry it up uphill. And there's going to be a dry creek bed and you're going to go walk across it. And so Israel, once again, type in shadow of baptismal, walks through the water. That's That's why baptismal is so important today. So when I talk about preparation, there's got to be baptismal. I'm not here to preach to you a book that's going to work for everybody. I'm here to preach to you a book that is for everybody. This isn't going to fit where you want it to fit. This is going to either be all of it or it's going to be none of it. I'm not here to sugarcoat the work today. I'm not here to sugarcoat it any Sunday. Because there's only one truth. And that's the truth that's in this book. But there is only one way to be baptized. There is only one name to be baptized under. That is the name of Jesus Christ. And it is full immersion for the remittance of our sins. I don't have time to go into the Bible study. But when Joshua walked across the Jericho... It was type and shadow of when Moses crossed the Red Sea. It was type and shadow of when Jesus went into the tomb and was in there for three days. Because when he came up again, when they came out on the other side again, they were a new creature. That's right. They were new. And how do I know that? Because when they crossed the Red Sea, they were slaves on one side. And when they got to the other side, they were free. That's right. How do I know they were free? Because the water washed back up and the enemy couldn't follow. That's right. That's right. When Joshua crossed over the Jericho, there was no Egypt on their tail. They had already been destroyed at the Red Sea. But what was in front of them was Canaanites. What was in front of them was Moabites. Right. What was in front of them was all kinds of ites. And do you know what happened when they crossed that Red Sea? All those ites got fearful.
1: Yeah.
0: All those ites. That were standing in front of them. They got afraid. The Bible even says that they got afraid. The Bible even gives us a representation right here in the book of Joshua. That as they crossed over, they began to take fear upon them. What baptism does is it's a preparation into worship to let the enemy know he is no longer, she is no longer on the table. They belong to me. And when we belong to the Lord, fear is no longer on us, it's on the enemy. Because we are no longer on the defensive, we are on the offensive We begin to take territory because preparation of baptism leads to worship. Yes. And when we lead to worship, it means walls are coming down. That's right. Yeah, it means yeah, cities right. are coming down. I mean, it means revival is coming in Jesus' right. name. Yes. Yes. It means families yes. that are facing brokenness. God that's begins right. to put back right. together because preparation in baptism says it's not about me. It's about Jesus. That's, right. yeah. that's why the name is so important. Yes. That's why the 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 the, the right. process is so important. It's not about sprinkles. Sprinkles are great if I just want to get a little wet. But I got too much sin on my body just for a little sprinkle. I I need to go under. Matter of fact, they probably need to hold me under a little while longer. (laughs) Right? But I need that name. I need that name spoken over my life. I need to understand in preparation because when I come out of that water, it ain't about me anymore. It's about me being new. Jesus name is now in front of mine. And when I look up, I don't see Josh. I see Jesus. Uh, uh, Josh is a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to lift myself up on a pedestal. I'm trying to lift him up on a pedestal. He's the one that belongs there. And when I give him glory through my preparation, you need to hear me. You've got to hear me about this this morning. I am not preaching anything that the disciples did not preach in the New Testament. They were his followers. They only baptized in one way. And they baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. It's what Jesus preached himself. It's what Jesus taught. It's what Jesus went by. There's some theology that's taking place in our mind right now. And I'm telling you, it's the same theology that holds us up from our worship. We get to that praise point, but we can't walk through. You know why we can't walk through? Because there's no relationship. That's right. Because it's just titles. That's right. No offense, but it's just a cross on a wall. Yeah. It's not relationship. It's not a handshake. It's not a pulling. Of our God into a promise. What it is. Is it's just a tradition. Mm-hmm. And oh help us. <sighs> help us. That my traditions. Aren't holding me back from my promises. Yeah, that's good. Because as great as my traditions are. Traditions wane over time. Mm-hmm. But a promise never does. Right. A promise never fails. And a promise never falters. I'm not talking about a promise that people make. I'm talking about a promise that God makes. And when God makes a promise, it doesn't change, it doesn't fail, and it doesn't falter. What I'm talking about in baptism, I'm not talking about it's an option. I'm talking about it's the only way given by where we must be saved. What I'm talking about is the way of salvation that God has put. And he shows us in Moses and he's showing it to Joshua as the Israelites cross the Jericho River. They crossed the river knowing that the enemy that was behind them and that the enemy that was before them do not stand a chance because of how great their God is. That's why the enemy got fearful. Wait a second. Our gods can't dry up rivers. Wait a second. Our gods can't do that. Who are these people that are coming in? They weren't scared of Israel. The enemy is not scared of you and I. Israel at its depth were herdsmen. Who they were in reality when they crossed over the Jericho were people that used to be slaves and now we're trying to figure things out. You and I often come to the Lord in bondage and sackcloth. We often come a shell of what we were used to be. And it's the name that brings us up out of that water. It's the name that allows us to put on new clothes. It's the name that says you no longer are who you used to be. And even as bad as you were, right now you are a part of my army. And everywhere that my army goes, you will go. Every victory that my army has, you will have. Paul said this to the church in 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That's what baptism in Jesus' name does. That's preparation. That's getting us ready. It's God. God is wanting to do something. God is wanting to pour out the promises that he has. And when we follow God's plan, it doesn't paralyze us. It paralyzes the enemy. That's the words the New the new, uh, new Living Translation uses. The, the, the ites were paralyzed in fear. I've been paralyzed in fear in my flesh. You, you can't do anything. No matter how hard you struggle and how hard you try, you can't. And when we are baptized in Jesus' name and there is preparation that has taken place in our life, that's what happens to the enemy. He can no longer snarl. He can no longer come at your family. He can no longer come at you because he is paralyzed in fear and he doesn't know what to do because he now knows that you are victory victorious in every situation when we follow God's plan we paralyze the enemy instead of us having the fear it puts our enemy under fear our enemy is not people hear me it's wickedness in high places our enemy is not people don't go get baptized just so God can think he's gonna heal up some people it's wickedness in high places. Right. Wickedness oftentimes that people allow to be used against us. But it's wickedness. It's not people. That's this right. church, the church, the body of Christ loves people. That's right. People is what we do. If you don't love people, we really need to find an altar and repent. That's right. If we don't love every aspect of people, we really need to find an altar and repent. Because Jesus did. That's right. Jesus ain't with the worst of them. Jesus loved the worst of them. Jesus loved us. And if he loved us, he can love them. Amen. Amen. But here we are. Here we are. We're we're facing and we're understanding. The the Amorites, the Canaanites, they were fearful of God. And they they went running. They went away. The battles we face are real. The enemy we face is real. But I want to tell you that God we serve is real. Somebody needs to hear it. You came in hoping. Hoping. For something today, you came in hoping, and I promise you, he did not fail or falter. He let you know that he is here. But what he is wanting me to tell you is there is more than just understanding that his presence is still around. There are promises for us to walk through. The victory we are promised is real. When we worship, it puts the enemy on notice. It puts the enemy on notice. Our worship. Claims that before we know everything is going to happen, before we've read the back of the book, that we know God is victorious. You and I are fighting battles that we were never meant to fight. No. Men, as mighty as we are, they're not <clears throat> battles that we're meant to fight. That's right. The battle that we're meant to fight, the battle that we need to be fighting, the battle that we need to show the younger generation is that a mighty man can lift up holy hands. Yeah. That's right. Men, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, there is a world out there that's looking for mighty men. I've had conversations with it about it, and it's true. There is a world looking for mighty men. And you know what that, the world is telling us? No matter how good it's telling us, it's telling us be wise and be, be, be boastful. That's not what God is telling us, men. God is not telling us to challenge authority and insert ourselves in a situation. God is telling us men to be mighty the way that you need to be mighty is lifting up holy hands. Allowing tears of worship to flow from your eyes. Now, I'm not talking about feminine. Don't be feminine. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. To understand that there are things our kids are facing and we can fight them all day long, but it's not going to get us anywhere. But in our prayer closets in our war room, in our worship time, that can be the pulling down of strongholds. That's what I'm talking about. Men, I'm talking about strong men. A strong man creates a strong woman. Women, I'm not talking about going to your school boards. And I'm not talking about fighting against the world. I'm talking about worship in your home so that the kids see worship in our home. I'm talking about mightiness. We've been fighting battles that we were not meant to physically fight. The battle that we are to be fought is on our knees. It's through prayer. It's through worship. God has has this set before us because he has already won and fought the battle. And every time we try to insert ourselves, every time we try to put ourselves in and think we're doing right, we say, God, get out of the way. I got this. And it's in those situations that we approach with praise and then we leave with I got this. And we never walk in and allow the victory to take place. I'm not trying to confuse somebody this morning. What I'm trying to tell somebody is there is more. There is more that God has for us. And it begins with worship. The Bible says in Revelation 7 and 11, it talks about John. John seeing angels and all the angels were standing around the throne. And the elders and the four living beings. They all fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped. God, worship is a posture. Worship is a preparation. Preparation that leads to baptism. You can praise with unclean lips and an unclean heart. I've seen it done before. But you can't worship with an unclean heart and unclean lips. Because it will take you right to that point and you will climb up. I've seen the mightiest of men with an unclean heart and unclean lips that will begin to walk before the throne. And as they begin to walk, they will walk in praise. But that's as far as they will get. And they will never allow that worship to take place. And they will leave with bits of tears that have come down their face, thinking that they had walked in victory. But really all they did is they walked in a posture and never got close. They just got to that promised land. And I don't want to miss the promise because I was too fearful to walk in the preparation. The Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about back in the book of Joshua under Israel, after they crossed over the Jericho River, the Jericho, or... Jordan River, they established an altar again. It's why we profess and preach so much about altars. Altars were so important in the Bible and they're still important today. But they walked across that. And as they walked across that, God said, I need to renew my covenant with you. Everybody know, remember what the covenant was about? It was about circumcision back then. He needed to renew that covenant because God was preparing them for worship for a city to fall. Don't let me lose you right now. Please don't let me lose you. What they were doing was God was allowing them preparation. He was teaching them baptism. He was showing them the covenant. We don't live under that covenant anymore. There is a New Testament. There is a book called Jeremiah and Jeremiah 31. We read this, 31 through 33, and it talks about the New Testament. It talks about Jesus Christ. The Bible says the day is coming. Everybody say the day. The day. It's here. It's already happened, it is. says the Lord. When I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. You know what's great? I'm not an Israelite. But you know what happened in the New Testament? It was poured out to the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. Yes. Yes. Anybody a Jewish person in here? Guess what? You're all Gentiles. Welcome to the Gentile club. There's only two types of people in the Bible. The Jew or the Gentile. The yeah. slave or the free. Did you realize that? Yeah. Then let's get back to it. Anyway. The Bible says the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah and the Gentiles. This covenant will not be made with one with your ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as husbands love his wife, says the Lord. But this But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I will put those instructions deep. With inside of them, I will write them on their heart. They don't need to go to a preacher to hear about it because I'm going to put it on the inside. And can yes. I tell you that when the veil was torn from the top to the bottom, the spirit of the Lord yes. was released. Yes. Yes. Do you know where he was released to this temple?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And you know where he wants to dwell deep inside this temple yes. yeah. and our heart. Sometimes the heart in the biblical is referred to as the soul. There is a throne that God wants us to build up into our lives so that we don't have to wonder if it's right or wrong. The Holy Spirit will lead us when it's right or wrong. The Holy Spirit will guide us when it's right or wrong. It's why the Holy Spirit is so important for our lives. It's oftentimes why I started my sermon today. Because oftentimes when the Holy Spirit is talked about, it's received the same as marching. Eh, I'm good. Go ahead and take that stuff. You can keep that stuff. Well, if we do that, then we might as well just get rid of everything after the Gospels. We might as well just get rid of Jesus' teaching. We might as well get rid of the prophets of the Old Testament. We might as well go ahead and get rid of everything in the scripture. We might as well go ahead and get rid of this story in the Old Testament of Joshua. Because what God was trying to prepare them for worship for is to get ready for the covenant. You've got to have the covenant established before you can walk into worship. You've got to have the understanding that without baptism, that without the new covenant of the spirit, we're never really going to walk into the true worship the way that he wanted us to. We're going to walk to the promised land. Because remember, the Israel that Moses led, they didn't do any of this. They did it so far away that by the time they got to the promise, they forgot about it. And here Joshua is doing right on the outside of the promise so that as they get before the city, they're going to remember what worship is. Because they built an altar so that if they ever went back, they're going to remember what this covenant was. They built an altar so that if they ever forgot, they were going to remember what this baptism was. It was going to be written deep down on the inside of their heart so they wouldn't forget. Because all of the ites that were living around them, do you know what they told them? It's not necessary. You just need to know the Lord. You just need to love the Lord with all your heart. That's the start.
1: That's right. That's That's not the end. That's right. That's good. That's where we
0: start the path. That's where we start to dip our toes into the Jordan River. And as we dip our toes, the waters begin to part. And as we begin to walk across the Jordan in baptism, we get to the other side and we realize there's a new covenant. And as we get to the new covenant, we realize that that's the spirit of God that wants to live inside of us. Not because he wants to just come and be boastful about how he controls us, but because he wants to lead us around situations. And when walls come up, he wants us to know that we can walk through those walls because there's victory in the promise. There's victory in the promise. There's victory in God. But there is is no room for doubt. On the inside, there is no room for the enemy when God lives on the inside. You need to hear me. There's no room because he's too big. There was a story about a little girl and the preacher was talking about a Holy Ghost and Jesus. And he said, how can Jesus live on the inside? of I me? Mean, I'm too little. He would stick out. That's the point. When Jesus lives on the inside, he sticks out. Yes. When Jesus lives on the inside, it's not hard to step into worship because he's already living all around us. People can already see him. What happens is praise we can mix in with the crowd. Praise can mix in with the congregation. Worship says, here's Jesus. Here's the Lord, and I'm going to lift him up.
1: Because whenever
0: you look at me, you already know there's something different about me. You already know that there's something that isn't me. You already know there's a situation that's going on and it's all about God. When God is on the inside, there's no room for doubt, no room for fear, no room for anxiety, no room for depression. They are all real things. But when God fills our heart and our mind, there is no room for these things. The message has never changed. The message for Moses To Joshua, from Joshua to the birth of Jesus, from Jesus' death on the cross, to Peter, to James, to Paul. The message has never changed. What has changed is the church has got comfortable just getting close to the promise and not actually walking into victory. God's plan has never changed. The same word has been preached for generations. Jesus has never changed. The Bible even says Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. It has never changed. There is still a plan and there is still a promise. Amen. Right. Come on, let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Jesus, stand with me this morning. I purposely stopped our praise singers from singing the last song that they're going to sing this morning because the song is about worship. The song is about walking in worship. The song is about singing worship. The song is about lifting Him up in worship. I know there are going to be times that we're going to come into the house of the Lord, and the only thing that's going to be on our minds and our hearts is the garment of praise that we walked in with. But where I don't want us to get comfortable is thinking that that's it. There are promises in your life, Doug, that God has for you. You look at yourself and you may think, well, I'm over the hill and I don't have much to do left. There are promises that God still has for you. There are promises that God has for you, Carolyn, and I know that you know that. There are promises, Bobby, there are promises, Trevor, that God has for you. I'm not being a prophet. I'm reading the word. There are promises that God has. And there are promises that we have been literally looking at in our lives. And we have been getting discouraged because we can't get past the situation and we can't get past the promise. And God is telling us, I I need you to understand there's victory on the other side and there's a preparation. And when you walk through the preparation, victory is not just there, it's guaranteed. And there is a promise that you will begin to walk through. And as the preparation begins to take place, worship, true worship will begin to arise. And when that true worship begins to arise in this church, I'm just telling you, there's not enough seats in here for the people that are going to come. Because you don't understand when the walls of Jericho fell down, it wasn't just for the warriors that were around. It was for all of Israel, millions, That crossed over the Red Sea, that had completed the journey, that were outside just waiting, the women and children, everything that was going to come after them. They were there to move in and possess the land. There is a town of normal that is waiting for a church at 4080's College to grasp the understanding of what worship is because they're facing battles they're facing battles that they can't fight and they're looking for people to go come on you gotta get with me I gotta tell you about this Jesus I gotta show you what praise and I gotta show you what worship is because when you get to that worship and you prepared for that worship we will walk in that victory together but unless we prepare will we ever know victory I'm trying to be real this morning you can take the chance there's people that do it all the time. I'll take the chance and go this route, but find it in scripture. Find it in scripture where that's right, and show me, and I'll be glad. I'll be glad to listen. The city of Jericho was estimated to be six acres in length. That's around five football fields. The walls were estimated to be 13 foot high, with towers towering at 20 feet, 23 foot high. Israel didn't use cannons. They didn't scale the walls. They marched. They marched, they marched, they marched. They went out day one and they said, this is so stupid. Oh, they're just making a mockery of us." They went out day two and they said, I can't believe Joshua is making us do this again. What kind of God is this that would make us do this silliness? They marched on the third day. I'm sure it's anger and I'm reading between the lines. This ain't in your Bible. This isn't the book of my book. On the third day, they went out with anger. They went out, they they not only marched, they did the little kick of a toddler and get frustrated. Fine. Fine, I'm going to do it, but I don't understand why. They went out the fourth day and they did it again. They went out the fifth day and something began to take place in them. Something began to change because they started to go, it's day five. We've done this for five days. The enemy has not destroyed us. Do you know the enemy cannot destroy you? They went day 5 and the enemy could not destroy them. Something started to change in them. Some a consistency started started to take place and they began to walk and they began to look at the people around them and they began to see what God was doing. They began to realize that they just don't serve the god of the idols. They serve the true God. And on day 6, their heads got a little higher. To the point that they knew day seven was coming. Day seven was coming. And they knew there was going to be seven times around that wall on day seven. And every time, every time, oh, oh, here comes. What, what number is this, Macy? What number? Oh, is it seven yet? I'm ready to shout. I'm ready to get this up. I'm ready to be mighty. And the Lord of day, time number seven began to take place. And they heard that blow of the trumpet. And they begin to go, how long can this guy hold that trumpet blow out? I'm ready to bust. And as that trumpet shouted, sounded, they began to shout with the voice that came from their depths. It was a worship that they had been warring through. It was a worship that they had prepared for. It was a worship. And as that worship took place, the tower, the walls, it all began to fall down. And there was a presence of God that was so strong upon that congregation that they went in and they possessed everything, everything. That God had put before them. Everything. John 4 and 23. Jesus says. But the time is coming. Indeed it is here now. When true worshipers. Will worship the Father in spirit. And in truth. I don't know how you worship the Spirit. If you don't got it. But we will worship the Spirit. Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those. Who will worship Him in that way. Let the true worshipers rise. I wonder as our musicians come this morning. And we begin to sing this song. I don't know if you came today for an understanding or you came today for a preparation. But either way, this word is for every one of us. Either way, this word is for all of us today. Is the day you should be baptized in Jesus' name? Why wait another day? We're not promised tomorrow, but my victory is promised now. Today is the day that the Lord can fill us with the Holy Ghost. Why do I need to wait till tomorrow? I'm not sure. I need to question. I need to ask. Promises, 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 all standing before us, waiting. Pastor, you don't have a baptismal tank. I know lots of places in this town I can take you and fully submerge you in the water in Jesus' name. Yes. Pastor, I don't know about the Holy Ghost. Well, guess what the Bible says. It says if you're baptized, you shall receive yes. it. You don't have to wonder and you don't have to question because God says it's a promise. Yes. And if he says that's a promise, you got to go along and say my victory is a promise. Yeah. And when we begin to do that and we begin to worship and understand what begins to take place, the church is never going to look the same. The church never will be the same because I will never be the same. I will never be the same. So I wonder if we could gather around this altar as they begin to sing that song. I wonder if we can step out today. I'm usually not a big encourager in making everybody step out, but I just feel in the Spirit this morning that we just need to step out. We need to take a step out towards God this morning and just let Him have His liberty today. Come on, don't step out in hesitation. Step out in understanding that God is for you, and if He is for you, there is none that can be against you. Come on, worship with our praise team as they sing this song this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes, come on. Let that worship lead your eyes. Let that praise lead us in our worship this morning. come on. We worship. Come we on, come let it be Lord. your voice. Lord. Come on, let it be your words we that he got this morning. Lord. Jesus. We lift up your name, God. Hallelujah. Yes. yes. You are mighty Jesus. Yes. yes, before you Lord. Yes, Lord. Before you, Jesus. Lord. Yes. yes. Lord. yes. yes.
1: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person. If you ever find yourself in normal Illinois for more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also follow us on social media, find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching the church. Direct links can be found in the show notes